Hello and welcome to Beyond the Veil. Um, today we have a guest with us. So it's me, Cam and Caitlin. Do you want to introduce what we're doing today? Yeah, so we're going to look at the psychology and kind of the science behind true crime. It's something that I think we all find quite interesting, especially as Cam and Spence do psychology. So it's like... Psychology right girls. Yeah. And I'm also like interested in it just as a hobby, but yeah. So we'll look at this idea whether it's nurture or nature. Um, kind of like we all know that they have this lack of moral compass and that's what's been labelled as psychopathy but what actually causes this psychopathy um, and to be honest we may never discover the answer so we might as well just speculate about it well it's usually a mix it's never one or the other it's not possible to have one and not the other True. because you can't exist in this world entirely natural as you I suppose should be Yeah. because there will always be influence from somewhere that is very true and you can't have influence from somewhere without having parts of you naturally it is just they are just it's very strange how they just really don't see issues with murder or causing other pain or like it's just so weird yeah that's the intro (laughs) what now (laughs) well let's go beyond the mail I think a good place to start is with the definition of psychopathy, which is apparently a neuropsychiatric disorder marked by deficient emotional responses, a lack of empathy and poor behavioural controls, which results in antisocial deviance and criminal behaviour. So that's kind of just an overarching term. And then we're also going to look at some um, examples of serial killers. Primarily Richard Ramirez because he was pretty... Can you swear on this podcast? <laughs> okay, because he was pretty fucked up, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I marked them all as explicit. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't want to be around up here, like, saying, like, Oh, he was a silly boy! Also, be careful of rustling paper. So I think the other obvious serial killers to talk about here are Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy of their childhoods. I mean, Ted Bundy, he wasn't really, he wasn't too bad off as some of the other ones. His grandparents said that they were his parents and his mother said that she was his sister, which I think fucked him up a bit. Again, that's my favourite phrase to say. But you <laughs> <laughs> fucked him up a bit. I think to be fair, yeah. my grandma was just like, by the way, I'm not actually your mum. I'm your grandma and your sister's actually your mum. I'd it's be just like, a that's bit, vile. It's all a bit like inbready, really, isn't it? Like it is a bit weird. It's just to be fair. I don't know how it would be incest because unless he was fucking his sister, who's actually his mum, which he wasn't, to clarify, that'd be slightly odd. Yeah, true. But it's still weird. Like I feel like yeah, that was weird for him. But what was the reason? Was it something to do with her getting pregnant early and them not wanting to bring shame on her? I think it was to do with her not being married because they were Christian. Ah. Uh. I I believe so. Anyway, I might, I might be getting mixed up but I'm pretty sure it was about her not being married and him being a bastard. Slay. <laughs> Slay bastard. <laughs> so so Bundy started like hanging cats on washing lines and setting them and uh, setting fire to them. He would also create traps in forests with barbed wire um in the traps, like in the ditch, and just allowed these random kids to fall into <laughs> it. So you know <laughs> 
a bit peckish. <laughs> he was a really great guy. <laughs> get some food. It's it's so weird because in so many like films and cartoons, like people like dig holes in the forest and they'll put like a, some leaves over it and they'll be like, yeah, and then someone falls into it and gets stuck. And it's like he actually did that. So did he watch Tom and Jerry and go, <laughs> that's a good idea, or like what happened? He, he just saw him down there with broken legs and just went, just a bit of banter. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I think if we're then talking about the whole nature versus nurture thing in terms of Ted Bundy, like, I don't know. I feel like he's more nature. Like, it was all more a natural cause than a nurture. But I feel like his upbringing wasn't the best, like... Yeah, it probably did contribute to it, like, a lot. Especially being lied to by the only people that he considered as, well, Trustworthy. But I guess his granddad just beat him, so... There is that. Um, Jeffrey Dahmer, he had a head surgery when he was a child and his parents divorced when he was quite young, leaving him uh, neglected quite often because his like crazy mother would just leave and then obviously because they were separated and living in different places, his dad would just not realise that he was home alone. So he'd just be like alone for mm. many hours. <laughs> so I yeah, think that yeah, kind of like fucked the, him up. It's like the neglect he was brought up. Feeling no love, so obviously when he grows up, he wants these people near him, and then when they try and leave, he kills them to stay. Exactly. Very can tell you've been watching. Very sad. Mm. Yeah, I can tell you've been watching a Netflix documentary. Well, obviously not excusing it. Like, deal with your issues in therapy. Don't kill people. That's all I'm yeah. Another case file that is very kind of disturbing and something that has always shocked me is the killing of Tim McLean aka the Greyhound bus killings so this man who was 22 years old was riding a bus in Canada and he was stabbed beheaded and cannibalized whilst riding it along the Trans-Canada Highway um, his killer a 40 year old called Vince Lee was found not criminally responsible for the murder due to the fact that he was schizophrenic. Um, oh, okay, yeah. So he carries a baby for nine months and calls <clears throat> it Vince Lay. <laughs> Vince Lay! That's Slay. actually a very good point. That's like, you hate that child. Like, that child gave you hell He's while you were pregnant. He's going to like, become a killer. Like, Guys. you were sick constantly while He's... you were pregnant, so you named him Vince Lee because you knew. <laughs> so, um, Vince Lee... Um, He had a pretty normal life. This is why um, this case has always been interesting to me because he was literally just a normal guy. He used to work in a Wuhan Institute of Technology. Um, He got a bachelor's degree in computing. He then worked in Beijing as a computer software engineer. And as a child, he was very normal. He didn't really show any of the symptoms of a serial killer. So, like... We don't really know what happened to this guy, except for schizophrenia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes it's just a trigger. Well, this is... Good that you said that, because the trigger (sighs) was... It's like lying... The trigger was the good trigger. It's like lying dormant in them for years. I learnt this from Criminal Minds, okay? It's like lying dormant in them for years, and then something happens, and then, like, bosh. Suddenly they just want to kill everyone. I'm glad that you actually mentioned triggers, because... On this particular day mm. that um, Vince Lee decided to commit this act, there wasn't really, like, 
he had sh- he had shown no signs of schizophrenia before this day, but then this one day for some reason something switched in his brain. I think there were accounts from this waitress that he was she saw him sat on a bench outside, just kind of sat there for hours and hours, staring into like nothingness. And just he'd, like me for real. <laughs> <laughs> he'd had some kind of mental switch or like breakdown, and he just completely switched. Um, and he basically had this schizophrenic episode where he thought that everyone around him were aliens and that the world was undergoing an alien okay, so attack. Okay, he was actually having a delusion then. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he was having a psychotic episode. Yeah, what is scary to me is that he just absolutely did not show any signs of schizophrenia before this day. So, like, this could happen to any of us, you know. Well, well maybe is, not, but... Is that with schizophrenics, because <laughs> they often don't know that they're schizophrenic, it's probably likely that he did have some symptoms. But they just weren't aware. that bad. Yeah, very true. But... So people go for years thinking that they're not, and they think they've got, like, a best mate called, like, Jim, but he doesn't even exist. Why was schizophrenic. Thanks, Cam. So, um... <laughs> So yeah, and then after he'd had this little mental realisation that actually was just a delusion, he um, boarded the Greyhound bus and was travelling on it for a while. He had headphones on and just seemed like a normal guy, just listening to music on a bus. That's a good question. In this YN era with his headphones. Probably like Mozart to get him psyched up. He got pumped up kicks. No, he was listening to... uh... Hello by Adele, looking out the window. Yeah. Touching the glass. It was raining. It was raining. And everyone was just not taking any notice of him. And then, this is what freaks me out. There's this, like, quote here. I'm just quoting this from a site. But um, he basically just stood up and just died stabbing someone in the neck. Like a robot. That's what it literally says here. Like, he was robotic. He had no feeling. You could, like, his eyes weren't blinking. It's just terrifying. So... He was the alien. Oh, my God, imagine. This is what I did think when I first heard about NPCs this case. NPCs are real. <laughs> Skinwalker. They're a threat. <laughs> We should do an episode on skinwalkers. And Wendigos. Yeah, guys, stay tuned for that episode on skinwalkers. And Wendigos. Yeah. And then, (laughs) this is not where it ends, because he then decided to start eating the passengers of the bus. And that is severely fucked up. Maybe it was just a really long (laughs) bus journey. (laughs) (laughs) He apparently um, ate someone's heart, ate someone's ear, yeah, um, boat. yeah, many other things. It's a pretty fucked up case. So so then with this guy, it's like, I really just don't know what to say because he literally was just a normal person. And he didn't really, unless obviously, like Spence said, he did have symptoms of schizophrenia and didn't show, like, acknowledge them or was really truly aware of them. To me, like, I can't tell whether he had any nature versus nurture symptoms. So, yeah. Who knows? I would say more nature. Yeah. It must just be, for this guy, a chemical imbalance. So another kind of big case that I think we can't not talk about is Richard Ramirez, or Night Stalker. Um, There's kind of a lot to unpack here, so we'll just have to briefly skim over it so that we don't bore our listeners. But um, So Richard Ramirez was an American serial killer and sex offender. His crime spree took place in California between June 1984 and August 1985. He was convicted and sentenced to death in 1989 and then eventually died in 2013. He was born 1960 El Paso in Texas. 
and during his time he was charged of 13 counts of murder, 5 attempted murders, 11 sexual assaults and 14 burglaries. With the... A, a lot of serial killers you find that are born in and around the 60s or just shortly after World War II. I feel like a Boomers. lot of it has to be done with parenting because at the end of the day, you know, these parents come back from this war, these experiences, and they offload it onto these kids. And they so were so many of them. desperate that to have kids true. as well. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously why it's called the baby boomer generation, because <clears throat> everyone just wanted kids, but no one was really ready to have kids. They just wanted kids. And literally the 60s, 70s, 80s, it, there was a boom of serial killers, mm. which is when all those kids had grown up, were adults, and could just go around killing every Tom, Dick and Harry that they wanted. Mm. Richard Ramirez was the youngest of five people born to Mexican immigrants. People. Well, there's, um, some, there's some, well, some non-people <laughs> born to these, <laughs> this family. That's a deal or two. Even Loki. When Ramirez was 12 years old, a cousin who was a Vietnam War veteran showed him pictures of Vietnamese women he had allegedly raped, tortured and killed. Um, and he That's also. Nice. Hi, little cousin. Um, it's like that TikTok. He's my victims. <laughs> yeah, it's not really a great legacy to pass it's on. It's not a brilliant it? role model, like Jesus. It's not great Awful. life lessons yeah, from him. I feel like Jesus would be a better role model. <laughs> I agree. Hashtag praise the Lord. This same cousin fatally shot his wife in front of Ramirez. So Why was Ramirez just hanging around? Because they were family. Oh, yeah, true. I forget that. Um, happy family. Yeah, collectivist cultures, they often live in the same. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm I always forget that in collective, collectivist cultures, they often live in the same house. Or very closely. Yeah. Um, around this sa- same time, Ramirez started breaking into homes, um, and in 1984, he committed his first murder in which he raped and stabbed a 79 year old widow. Um, he then waited eight months to resume his killings and often satanic symbols would be found at many of the crime scenes. So we can see here clearly a link between his upbringing and his crimes because literally the same time that he watched his cousin kill someone, he started like committing crimes, breaking into homes, all of that. Well, so if that's... He was, hold on, if he was 12 when he started showing him these pictures, how old, how old was he when he um, started killing? Well, he... Was, like, he... 16, 18. Yeah. depressing as fuck. Like that's, that's sad. He was uh, he was the same age when he was breaking into homes, but then in 1984, that's when his first murder was committed. So he would have been. Um, 24. Yeah, 24. Oh, okay. So he did. I think it was. It took quite a while for this to develop into like proper murders, but once I you. Suppose the non-proper kind of murders. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like once you start this whole, just getting into the habit of doing bad things it just can evolve you know yeah i know what you mean a fingerprint from one of the crime scene leads to richard's identification and on august 30th 1985 six days after the final known murder his information was released to the world the following day he's identified before a chase that leads with him being beaten by a crowd of citizens before arrested i think it's so funny isn't the right word for it 
I think but it's, it's so it's just. very amusing. It's one of the most just endings to a serial yeah. killer. It's the way that it's actually the day after his information's released, and this guy is like, yo, and then he tries to run, and a bunch of people are just beating him up, which is so valid from them. I think it was in like a like community- a ghetto area, not <laughs> not in a bad way, yeah. but like, and these people obviously valued community. Yeah, as they should, he deserves it. Richard would go on to describe himself as a Satanist, make references to the devil during his trial, and drew a pentagon on his hand. You know what actually just occurred to me today? So you know obviously like pentagons, like obviously their origins are not as they're viewed now, but nowadays it's like witchcraft, bad, whatever. The pentagon, it's called the pentagon, because Mm. it's shaped like a pentagon. But also, (laughs) is that not a bit suspicious? Don't come for me. I'm not a threat. Charged with 13 murders and other crimes in September 1989, he was sentenced to death two months later. Say, literally. Richard would never express any remorse for his actions and would die from cancer in 2013 while on death row. Yeah, he basically said when he was like, um, when he got, um, when the result of the trial was that he'd be put on death row, he basically said, yeah, you know, um, the whole being um, sentenced to death thing just comes with the murder territory. Oh well. Uh, I mean, it does. It's not <laughs> yeah. But it's the thing is, with him being brought up by that, with that influence from his older cousin in his life, he would have just seen that as normal. Yeah. But I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say normal, but I'd say acceptable. That's what it is. That's the thing. They know that society isn't okay with it, but for them it's normal. So he's able to accept the consequences because it's just how it is. Mm. But he knows it's normal for him to want to kill. Mm. So that's how it clashes. That is very true. He's shown that others Mm. can do it, so he He thinks he can. He has the right to do it. His perception of normalcy... He's also accepting the the consequences, and I think that's really interesting. His perception Mm. of normalcy is just completely different to ours, and I think that's just Mm. the bottom line, really. Like, you can't really explain it, it just is. But I also feel that he sees himself as not the same as everyone else, if you get what I mean. Yeah. And, well, obviously they will see themselves as above other people. Yeah. But they see what they're doing as justifiable because they're above others. Yeah, perhaps. thought would be kind of interesting to look at is okay. the science behind uh, criminology because it's Fancy. actually been um, spotted as a pattern that psychopaths and serial killers have a low serotonin turnover rate in their brain so basically they just have low five I'm not going to pronounce this right but I will try low five hydroxindoleac Tate access. <laughs> you have butchered that, but we both would as well. Will you try saying it then? Yes, try saying that, it's really hard. Whereabouts is it? Where the big word is. <laughs> the big word. Is that all one word? Yeah. Hydroxyndoliac dick acid. Dick acid. <laughs> Shut up, <girl. laughs> Um, Often serial killers have this lack of serotonin real um i relate to that (laughs) and also they have (laughs) they also have a lack of mono mono amine oxidase a um words i definitely understand and a low five 
hydroxindole eacetic acid. Concentration. I have no clue what any of that meant. <laughs> I didn't mean to turn to biologist on you all, but basically... Caitlin does biology and it's very obvious. <laughs> um, I'm not a scientific mind. This is. I'm not a woman instead. <laughs> so basically, it's been a proven pattern that these serial killers and psychopaths have abnormal levels of chemicals in their body, which often lead to depression, anxiety, suicidal behaviour, OCD, PTSD... And I think actually this is probably why there is like a stigma around mental illness because obviously well, yeah, people with mental illness sometimes do bad things. Yeah, but people who don't sometimes have bad things. So it is just about people collectively are just bad. True. And that's Thank how you. I feel. Yeah. It's Kate kind of just about what you do with your. Why are you giving me the Kubrick stare? Put your head down. Look for your. <laughs> your fucking curtains are in the way. That's what I said. Sometimes these serial killers can often have too much serotonin as well which um is interesting the effects of this because it's meant to be a neurotransmitter that calms the brain usually but obviously when there's too much of it it kind of i think it makes them a bit overexposed and hysterical and as such manic yeah as such this control of anger and stress relief this control of anger and stress relief is like unmanageable kind of like they just can't they just can't manage it because of a chemical imbalance so I think that's very interesting. Another thing, also, within the brain, in many serial killers, there is there is a decreased connectivity between the amygdala, which is a brain region that processes negative stimuli and those that give rise to fearful reactions. These serial killers would often also have damage to their prefrontal cortex, which interprets responses from the amygdala. So basically, they've got a lot of fucked up brain things going on. <laughs> Scientifically, those yeah. silly goose. <laughs> so that is real life science behind. <laughs> no, it's not fake life science. <laughs> behind fucked up people. Not so really. there you go. Also, what's really weird is that for some reason, quite few serial killers have the same earlobe length. What? <laughs> Why are they measuring, measuring earlobes? earlobes? <laughs> yeah, hold on. Fingerprints. Yeah, height, weight, earlobes, and school size. So, well, yeah, that makes sense. That's because let's see you noggin. <laughs> that tracks because oh, they will, they'll be measuring the they'll be measuring the brain. I think so. Like just kind of to end this little episode. Um, it is the outro. Yeah, keep me trying to take <laughs> over. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'll not say that. Twenty big dirty stinking. Sure. I think it is just very um, weird how. Especially with Ted Bundy as well. Quite often, serial killers are like really smart. I'm, I swear, aren't they, guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, are, they often have a high, they often have high IQs, but that's, yeah. that's usually sociopaths, though, because the whole disparity between sociopaths and psychopaths is that sociopaths are a lot smarter and psychopaths are a lot more manic and less intelligent. True. Which is why they get caught more. Yeah. So, like, often these serial killers are actually really intelligent. Especially Ted Bundy. He was like mega smart so it's kind of it kind of does show that there is this link between insanity and intelligence and i do think that sometimes the more uh, intelligent you are the more mentally ill and insane you can become because Mm. you're like you're a deeper thinker so you ponder things more um like you notice things more that maybe other people wouldn't and it kind of takes up your time and um could be argued that you're less attached because of your intelligence. Yeah, true as well. 
So, um, yeah, I think that this, therefore, in other in others' eyes, is what makes you insane because you like you're just thinking about things that most normal people wouldn't. And that obviously is that can link to quite a lot of people diagnosed with mental illness. And like, kind of, this is a bit kind of not really relevant, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm reading a book called One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and um, the title itself is this idea that... Um, this is where Caitlin becomes her English lit self. <laughs> yeah, cringe. Anyway, this is kind of this idea that cuckoos, um, they lay their eggs in other birds' nests, and then when the cuckoo egg hatches, the chick, the cuckoo chick, um, forces other eggs and even live chicks out the nest that were it was obviously their nest before and they're just like the imposter and it's kind of this idea like that even in nature there are these just tyrants that can kind of displace order and just kind of ruin social structures and I just think it's interesting because it's kind of like an allegory for sociopaths and psychopaths so yeah Well, fun, you know. Mm-hmm. You really? I can like act really like pretentious. <laughs> yeah, I know it's nice to vent to a microphone. <clears throat> Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Veil. Uh, this does actually end the first series, and I'd like to thank everyone who supported us so far. Thank you for joining us today, Caitlin. No worries. With such an interesting topic as well. Thank you for having me. It's all right. Season two is coming soon, and it will be entirely focused on mystery content. That will begin next week. If I'm all, if I'm right, am I right? Uh, week after. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Thanks again from us all, and see you next week. Bye! Bye. Bye. <laughs>